nine weeks into the MLS season, my hometown team, the Philadelphia Union, are not the only club causing concern among their fan base. On the other coast, in the opposing conference, the LA Galaxy have yet to win a single game. It is hard to find a team, making Phillies start to the year look good, but the Galaxy could be one. More than a few pundits, admittedly including me, myself, put the LA Galaxy in playoff spots this year, a team that was going to make a comeback, and importantly, they have time to pull that off. But it would take an immediate about-face, because right now, the Galaxy, the MLS team with the most ever championships in this league, has three total points and sits second to last in their conference. Naturally, this has exacerbated pre-existing discontent among supporters of that team, supporters long displeased with Chris Klein's presidency and laying a substantial portion of club disarray and displeasure at his feet. This has been going on for a while, but it seemed to reach a bit of a fever pitch this last week as the Galaxy hosted their Los Angeles rivals, LAFC, for another El Trafico certainly to remember, though maybe not for the reasons the Galaxy would want. Despite the typically high scoreline and drama whenever these two meet, LAFC won 3-2, registering their first ever win on Galaxy soil. And they did so before an absent supporter group or two, as Galaxy fans continue to protest the situation in earnest. I think this is a storyline worth highlighting here for a number of reasons, many of them to do with the history and the prestige of the LA Galaxy and its impact on the American soccer landscape. As my guest will tell us shortly, this is the house that Kobe Jones built, that Landon Donovan built, that David Beckham signed on to, that Zlatan Ibrahimovic chose as his own. This is the most winning team in Major League Soccer history, and it has fallen on tough times. Now, as I hope you've picked up on by now, I endeavor to tell stories that capture the culture of this sport, the culture as it moves and as it relates to its community, as well as the stories that capture how the game in the U.S. is similar or different or growing in relation to the world's game. And this, I think, does that, or at least it attempts to. I also think this is worth highlighting because selfishly, it allows me to reconnect with an old friend. Alex Cozella, a big LA Galaxy fan from Los Angeles that I met when we were both living in Southeast Asia, and we reconnected all these years later via soccer. If you can picture it, imagine a bunch of Americans who are teaching in Southeast Asia, doing things like riding bicycles around former capitals of the Siamese Empire while talking about Clint Dempsey in his prime. That's the setting in which I met Alex, and that's probably the last time we caught up meaningfully until literally this podcast. In the first half, we talk about what Alex has been up to since then, how he's been able to also experience the world through the language of the sport that we call soccer, how he fell in love with the LA Galaxy to begin with, with Major League Soccer in its inaugural seasons, watching national team stars playing at his local club while he was growing up and playing the game himself. And then in the second half, we get into the current problems with the Galaxy, and whether they have time to turn it around. So enjoy. Remember to share this with a friend if you enjoy the conversation. And with no further ado, here's Alex. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. We are joined today by an old friend of mine, Alex Cozella, who is a fellow fanatic of the world's game. I actually met Alex a 
overly long time ago now um, in Southeast Asia, where we both spent time teaching English. Alex has been all over the world since then, both to watch soccer or football, whatever you want to call it, um, but is a galaxy lifer, a Klein outer, but he'll talk to us about that. And he's also running a terrific substack, exploring the culture and stories surrounding one of the most successful and storied clubs in MLS, but one that's not doing that well right now. Um, that club being the galaxy, of course. Alex, welcome to the pod. How is life? Life is great. It's good to be on the pod. Uh, I've been following your work over the last decade uh and it's been incredible and uh, happy we get to uh connect again on the pod yeah the sport brings people together where has yeah. life taken you since since your life living in southeast asia southeast asia is a glorious place beautiful thailand uh, i think we met in phuket right um mm -hmm. yeah. so since then yeah i've been you know, to Ayutthaya, which is where I went next in, in Thailand. After that, um, spent a couple years back in LA. I spent a year in Nicaragua, which uh, is an incredible country in Central America. I recommend uh, everybody checking it out. Spent a few years in Arizona and uh, back in Los Angeles. So definitely explored a bit of the world's game in other places as well. Was able to uh, go to the Euros in Poland and Ukraine. Um, so that was pretty cool, connecting with uh, my heritage, if you will. Uh, my dad's from Poland. And then, um, yeah, the Brazil World Cup in 2014 was epic. Was really, really fortunate to be able to go there and see Jermaine Jones' goal live in uh, the Amazon uh, city of Manaus. Just pretty unforgettable stuff. Um, so, yeah, just uh, we, 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 we move. We, we, we keep on going here uh, with more experiences and more beautiful, um, hopefully beautiful experiences in the world game, you know? Of all the World Cups to go to, the Brazil World Cup is probably the coolest location to see one. What sticks out in your memory about not just being at a World Cup, but being at a World Cup in Brazil? That's a really good question. I mean, it was my first time uh, traveling to South America. Brazil's a huge country. It's It reminds me of the United States in a lot of ways, just the sheer grandiosity of it, such, you know, the diversity of, you know, every region. So it was all very new for me. So just to be able to experience that soccer culture in in a, in a country uh, like that, the joy is just apparent. You, you, you get a feel for why Brazil has been so successful on the world stage by talking to the locals and understanding their passion for the sport. And it's something that we can continue to look up to here. I mean, just you know, soccer in the streets, the, the games are on at all the bars, everyone's talking about it. And uh, I think that's the main the main takeaway for me. And I think now, almost 10 years later, we're seeing more of that here in the United States. And I think it's been it's been really cool to be able to see the evolution of how we are progressing as a soccer country. But when you saw Argentina win the World Cup, I mean, we're, we're so we are pretty far away from, I think, that level of, of support and, and devotion. But um just the love of the game. I think that's what you really experience and how that seeps into all aspects of culture and aspects of politics and being able to use your voice and being able to feel like you have power as an individual and 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 working towards the the greater good for whatever that may be, whether it's the the national team or your club or anything. So to be able to travel anywhere and to be able to experience that is amazing. But in Brazil, it's definitely a unique uh, feel, I think. 
Yeah, that sounds it. I'm jealous of, of your experience there. I've never been to Brazil. And everything you just said, I mean, it, it's kind of related to our whole conversation and why I wanted to talk to you today about having power as an individual or something I think about a lot in a few different contexts is the power of, of the fan base or of the supporter group in affecting change for things they want. I mean, when you think about either the LA Galaxy supporter groups or you think about even the fan bases that support the U.S. national team, do you feel like there is power there? And also kind of on a related note, I mean, I, I've seen this debated a bit. Um, you know, people, I think, don't want us to be like some fan bases in Brazil, for example, as it doesn't actually have that big of an effect on how good the national team is. It's just toxic. Do you have any opinions on that? Do you think fans of the national team can inspire change if they yell on Twitter or or whatever it might be? I think from from what I've seen with kind of people yelling on Twitter, it it absolutely can veer into the toxic and it can veer into, you know, people attacking others for, for, you know, really stupid reasons. I think that's the nature of being online. You're always going to have that. But at the same time, you, you, you really do see people feeling empowered to just speak their mind and in, in a way that's, you know, going towards truth, really going towards like, we're going to call you out. And if, if there is a brand, if you will, Greg Vanny wants to call the galaxy a brand. It is sure. If there's a brand that is really not reflecting the values of the supporters, if the, there's a brand or a club that's, you know, participating in business practices that you don't agree with, we're at a point with our online lives that you absolutely can affect change. And we're seeing it right now with the Galaxy. I mean, there's, you know, obviously some people say that the boycott is, you know, what's the point? What are you, what are you really trying to do? You just don't like losing much much bigger than that it's a, it's a bigger issue than wins and losses it's about holding a club accountable for th- certain things they're doing or not doing you know when the president of a of a soccer club can just kind of hide in the shadows and not you know speak to the fans or speak to the press or sign an extension without actually making any statements the club didn't say anything about it it was released through you know two lines in a in a Kevin Baxter article in the LA Times you know, fan bases now are hungrier than ever for information. We want to feel connected. People want to feel a part of something. And if you're leaving them out of like crucial aspects of that process in terms of not even being transparent or honest about it, there's every right for there to be a online flood of comments. And maybe that's all it is. Maybe it's all just noise. If Greg Vanny wants to call it noise, that's fine. But at the same time, you wouldn't have had Chris Klein release a letter to season ticket members in the last week saying he will step down at the end of the season if Galaxy don't meet their expectations. The incredibly high bar of just making the playoffs and so, you know, quote-unquote advancing in the playoffs, whatever that means, that wouldn't have happened without the noise. So fans are more empowered than ever, I think, all around the world. You've seen, I don't really know what's going on with Valencia, but I know they've been having some really, you know, epic protests out there. Obviously, you have the Glazer out thing in Manchester as well, but just on a on home soil with the galaxy, we are we are definitely seeing it become a mainstream movement. We just had an article in Forbes that was saying, hey, like, why is AEG sticking with Klein? Like, maybe the only reason right now is because they don't want to seem like they're kind of giving in to the supporters, which is a really weird place to be in. I don't think any club should pit their supporters, their most rabid hardcore fans that love the team so much against the players and the team. You know, it's about accountability. It's about love of the game. It's about love of the sport. 
And the galaxy really should feel lucky to have people that care this much because other people have just walked away, gone up the freeway, you know, other side of all the traffic. And hey, like more power to them. LAFC built a really great product at the time that the galaxy was declining with AEG's kind of reluctance to evolve. So yeah, change is possible. I, I would hope to believe that. I don't know. Yeah. I think so. And I, I come out personally on the side of it's a good thing that people have a say now that people can voice their opinion, that people can be part of the conversation and you don't get to not have one because you're not a reporter or you're not you're not working for the club or whatever it might be. One thing I'm curious about, though, you gave really good examples. I mean, the Glazer out protest Valencia. Yes, you have this club that feels too big to fail, but it might be about to fail and the supporters are letting the club know what they think about that. Have you ever seen, and I'm struggling to think of a real example of this and it's potentially apples to oranges a bit. Have you ever seen though, um, supporter groups for a national team demand change from their federation to the same way that these club supporter groups are? It's a good question. I mean, it's, you have such a larger scope with national teams and so such, you know, more ground to cover. I imagine a country like, you know, maybe Croatia might have an easier opportunity with kind of supporters banding together and affecting change. Not that they need it, obviously, they're doing great. I'm just talking about the sheer size of that country and, and, and the, you know, the inclusiveness of it. The United States is such a huge place. And I think all these fans and supporters of the, the U.S. national teams are such a diverse group of people that really, you know, are, are all over the map, literally and figuratively. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the Burhalter out kind of vibe really worked. I mean, obviously, it seems like he's going to be out for very different, unfortunate reasons. I don't know. I mean, a lot of times you wonder, like, is it just the social media manager that has to deal with a lot of this noise? And it's just kind of like scrolling through and it's like, man, these people, what are we doing? Uh, <laughs> does, does that really go up to the top? I, I, I imagine it does to a certain extent because your brand matters. And I think brand visibility in today's age is really important for a lot of corporations. So I I just know for a fact, like AEG can't be, you know, they're not thrilled that, you know, their, their guy's name is getting dragged. Um, Chris Klein can't be thrilled that, you know, he's, he's now a a hashtag. Um, But on a national team level, I mean, I really don't know. I really, I don't have that level of knowledge or history about like what has gone on. I'm sure it has. But I think it's just such a larger scope with different clubs competing in different interests and regions that it's definitely more of a, I don't know, it's a different kind of issue, I think. But it's a good question. I'd love to hear more about it. I think I agree with you. I think about it a lot just in terms of the nature of different fan bases and the the way, especially with the changing nature of media and fan driven media and the way the conversation has shifted or the power centers of the conversation has shifted. I think about that a lot in, in terms of who can affect change and whether or not trying to affect change is necessarily good or bad or effectual. But honing in on, on the galaxy, and before I have you update my my listeners who might not be overly familiar with who this Klein guy is, how did you get roped into this galaxy thing? Who, I mean, can you remember your first memory of the LA galaxy and how did you get pulled into this fan base? Absolutely. Um... Yeah, with an immigrant father, uh, it, you know, I was introduced to the game of soccer at a very young age, and to have a brand new team, a big team, right off, right from the bat, it was a big team in '96. It was, you know, you had players like Kobe Jones, obviously a legend, became a legend. Mm-hmm. Mauricio Cienfuegos, a legend. Uh, Jorge Campos, legend. Like you have such legendary players playing for a brand new team in a historic stadium, the Rose Bowl. 
So from day one, it was an exciting thing. I was very small at that age, but at the same time, you know, I I remember MLS Cup 96, watching it on TV, how epic that was, just the rain uh, and the, the, the comeback and all of that. But yeah, getting older, just, you know, still as a kid, but playing the game of soccer in Los Angeles to be able to have that team playing in your city. I mean, that's what it's all about all around the world. You want to look up to players that are playing in your city and for your local club. Obviously, I played FIFA and I watched different games around the world, but I never and I still to this day do not have a connection with a, a club in a different country uh, other than the city that I grew up in on that level. It's just not really it's not the same thing for me because I was there in 2002. I saw that I went to games more consistently at the Rose Bowl around 2001, 2002. I saw Carlos Ruiz banging goals like, you know, it's nobody's business. Being able to see Kobe and Mauricio collaborate, you know, seeing them open the it was the Home Depot Center then, but seeing Carlos Ruiz's first goal in that stadium and how amazing that was to have your own soccer specific stadium. Obviously, now I think a lot of younger fans might take a lot of that for granted. Like, oh, it's everywhere. Everybody, every MLS club plays in their specific stadium. But when I was a kid, that wasn't the case. We were all we we're still watching games with the football lines in these like gargantuan stadiums that were a little bit of a joke. And I think Chicago Fire is still taking that MLS 1.0 mantle by doing the same thing. They're playing Soldier Fields like no fans. But most other clubs have evolved, and it was really cool to be able to experience that evolution of the galaxy as I came of age as well. Um, to be able to, you know, play club soccer in my teens and to go to a game and watch Chris Albright play the same position I was playing, to learn from him as a right back. Um, those are kinds of things that you're never going to forget. And then moving on, I mean, yeah, 2002 was a hugely influential year because I that was my first World Cup I watched that I, that I remember seeing, you know, our boy Kobe Jones, then Landon Donovan. Obviously, he's from the area and later played for the Galaxy. Um and then having the Galaxy win MLS Cup in that year, too. All of those things working together felt like, yeah, this is really cool. And it's really awesome to be able to see these guys in person that just beat Mexico in the, you know, knockout round of the World Cup. Um, and now they're playing here. They're playing Pasadena. They're playing Carson. They're playing in L.A. And then moving on, like, as I became, became more of an uh, adult, uh, being able to see them win an MLS Cup with David Freak and Beckham. You know, how crazy is that? You have a Beckham to Keen to Donovan MLS Cup goal in the rain uh, in 11. Beautiful times. And, you, you know, you experience those with your friends, with your family. You make new friends along the way. And wherever you go, you know, this is your home. So, like, I've, you know, lived in different places. I haven't always lived in L.A., but I've always kept that support with me. And it's it's made me new friends along the way, too, because it's like, a, you know, you know this. You go different places, and soccer is often the best, easiest most accessible thing to actually talk about. So people are always interested. Oh man, David Beckham, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, they know about the galaxy and how can you forget, you know, that last, that last great moment, I think as a galaxy fan was 2018 and being able to see Zlatan score that wonder goal against a new team in the area and a crazy comeback. And, you know, those, those kinds of events, like I don't think I've ever seen the galaxy stadium erupt in that way that it did in 2018 when Zlatan made his debut and LAFC made their LA debut. That was the same. That was our first game in LA. So yeah, really, really cool times. And I think just that just kind of, it stays with you for life. You know, it's hard to forget about those kinds of moments when it's ingrained at a young age like that and you've played and your dad played and all those things are connected. And then you meet people that love the game too. And it's a, it's, it's a party for everybody.
You mentioned how iconic it was and how impactful it was for you as a younger person watching Landon Donovan, watching Kobe Jones after the, their performances with the national team. How important do you think it is for MLS generally and MLS clubs like the Galaxy in particular to have those connections to the national team? I mean, after watching last night's game, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. For all your listeners that don't know, it was USA-Mexico, the El Cachico game, and it was kind of a dud. I don't know if it's 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 weird, right? Because you want your you want to have your best players play, you know, on your teams. Obviously, MLS that's the interest of MLS is to have guys that are playing on the national team, you know, that people can get behind. But I think it's more evolving to more international players because it's pretty obvious that you know we want our best players on the USA to play for the best teams, and the best teams are still for the for the time being for the next few years at least. It's going to always be uh European teams uh that are playing in Champions League so I think it's just it's about having personalities it's about having people that you can connect to no matter like where they're from I think like Zlatan coming here was so amazing because you know he was a larger-than-life figure obviously and he was doing incredible things uh on the field so just to just to have a, a player that you can be, be be awed by I guess but uh yeah it's important to have community connections I just uh it's really a tough it's a tough spot for MLS because MLS wants to have the best players, but that's not really going to happen. So it could happen, but I think like for the galaxy in, in particular, their whole MO has been, you know, sign big players and win, but it's like, you got to sign the right, the right big players. Like Steven Gerrard at the end of his career, isn't the right player to sign. Vlatan Ibrahimovic towards the end of his career was the right player to sign. Christian Pulisic right now in a perfect world to some, that could be the perfect galaxy signing. That would that would break the internet and people would freak out and say people would say he's done. People would compare him to Jordan Morris, but he could be. I'm not saying I want this to happen, but he could be a Landon Donovan in 2005 kind of figure where it's like played in Europe and now I'm coming back. And it's not gonna happen. <laughs> but I'm just saying, if it did, it would be pretty interesting. <laughs> It'd be fun to watch. He's not playing yeah. for Chelsea right now. I'm not saying I want it to happen. I'm honestly see him at like a Newcastle or something would be way better for his development, but. On the note of Landon Donovan, and I want to ask you about a few other people you just mentioned too, but just on the note of Landon Donovan, do, does any part of you wish he had attempted a little bit more to apply his trade in Europe, or is it ultimately no harm, no foul? I mean, he had a great career and he did it in MLS. Why not? As a Galaxy fan, if he did it for San Jose, I would be like pretty bummed out. But because he stayed in LA, I got to see him in his prime. I got to watch those games uh, selfishly. And for his development, I mean, he 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 did okay. He did okay for himself, you know? It's not like he had, like, a horrible career for the national team. He's the all-time leading scorer. You know, he, he won uh, a lot of things. Um, he went to Everton, so, you know, he did have two stretches there. I know that it wasn't much, right? It was just two stints, but it's, a, it's an interesting question. Part of me does kind of wish that we saw more of him at, like, a Bayern Munich or, like, a Champions League club. Um, but once again, selfishly, he was part of the most epic, you know, Galaxy team in history. And speaking from a Galaxy fan's perspective or an MLS supporter's perspective, those are, you know, kind of unforgettable moments that you can't really put a price on. So, uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting question. I don't I don't fault him for it. I celebrated it when he came back. Landon Donovan, man, he's, he's a legend. And like, it, it's hard to say, you know, where he would have been. I think he. He probably would have been a he probably would have had a similar trajectory on the national team either way. So 
David Beckham, you mentioned him as well. What effect do you think he had on Major League Soccer? He changed the league. He absolutely changed soccer in America. Um, and yeah, at times it wasn't pretty. Like he kept going on these loans to Milan. Uh, he he seemed not really 100% in it at times. Um, but at the end of the day, you wouldn't have the Seattle Sounders. Uh, you wouldn't have LAFC. You wouldn't have any of these like success stories of the, of the last decade um, if you didn't have someone with the star power of Beckham. You know, I mean... There's nothing like that. It, it was a complete circus. Um, for everyone who hasn't read Grant Wall's excellent The Beckham Experiment, definitely check it out. Um, it kind of shows how insane that period was for MLS and how far we've come in just like a very short period of time. Yeah, no, Beckham, it's, it's yeah, it's it's tough to really put, like, to determine what he, kind of what he was able to do. But he, you know, new franchises, new stadiums players like we wouldn't have a Ricky Pooj I don't think in the league now I mean he really changed the narrative for players coming from Europe um and also just supported the game here so he was kind of controversial at times if you ask Galaxy fans just because he seemed like I mean he got he almost got in a fight with a guy in the LA riot squad like there was a game where he had a friendly uh against Milan and the riot squad had banners like you know go home fraud like we don't need you 23 because literally you know he was you could tell he'd rather be in Europe playing when he was supposedly committed to this five-year plan in MLS. So wasn't, you know, there was still controversy involved, but overall, uh, absolutely, you know, transformational figure for American soccer. I think every American soccer fan should thank Beckham for coming to the league. And now he's an owner and, you know, it's a, it's definitely a big deal. Yeah. He's had a huge impact on the league and a controversial one. Agree as well with your recommendation of the Beckham experiment. It's a great book about Beckham, but also just about major league soccer. And you before mentioned, you know, the importance of just having characters impacting the game. And he certainly was one. And another big character, you guys have had a lot of characters on your team, um, is Mr. Ibrahimovic. Can you talk about like when he was signed and what like big moments you saw in person? What was he like? What was it like seeing him in person? Absolutely incredible. Like I, I'm so thankful to Zlatan for coming here when he did, um, you know, just for kids in LA to be able to see a player like that being so dominant um, in every possible way. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And I, I really lament that the galaxy didn't build a proper team around him. Cause it, to me, it's a slam dunk. You win an MLS cup when you have a slot on your team. I think that does come down to Chris Klein and the, the roster construction. Um, so it's a bummer we didn't win with them, but definitely there was winning on the field with, with Zlatan in terms of just seeing that, uh, once again, another transformational figure. And in, in, a, in a way, it's almost bigger than Beckham, too, because his on-field talent was so much more impressive than, than Beckham's, I think, in terms of what he's able to do. Like, there was a perfect hatcher against LAFC at a home game. Obviously, that debut was insane. Crazy goals away as well. He had that insane goal, the 500th goal, I think, of his career against Toronto. So MLS needs those kinds of personalities. I think MLS needs people like Zlatan to call out the league, too, on its BS and call out 
the pay to play system and and try to push for some kind of of change in this country too and maybe that even goes into promotion relegation stuff like that where you're competing in a in a in a different kind of way uh where every game every game matters a little bit differently i don't want to say every game means more because there are playoffs but i think it's good to try to push the envelope and zlatan definitely did that it's it's a it's an awesome thing to have players like that and i think some people do say mls is a little bit boring this year and i think when you invest in the apple MLS season pass and you're 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 paying all this money for all these games you want to see players like that and you definitely have the Almadas you have the you know Espinosa's having a good year you have a lot of these players but having this lots on type player is important so if MLS can go and try to get an Mbappe like they should do it if MLS can become this kind of like Saudi kind of mentality where they're going to sign like these insanely you know famous players I think they should jump on the opportunity to do it because it's not necessarily going to help the development of the league as a whole in terms of like roster construction, but it is going to push the envelope. So you have more attention and MLS, I think should feel like they need more of that. They need more of those villain mentalities and those like players that are going to change a game on a whim. Yeah. It wasn't just his on-field talent. I think that effectuated change. Okay. So talking about current problems now with the galaxy or the current era that we're in, does any part of you feel like a character is precisely what's, missing from this team do you have someone on the team who is unhappy is motivating the locker room is speaking out about things that might not be going well with ownership I think players at the LA Galaxy are put in a really difficult position right now because a lot of them might not really wholly understand why there is a boycott happening they might feel like it's against them and a guy like Ricky Pooj uh he came last summer and completely you know the team's the team changed completely. Like it was Pooj, yeah. Brugman, you got Caceres, and they 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 started playing really great. So that was one of the good stretches of the Klein era, one of the few few good stretches that we've seen. But this year hasn't gone so well on the field. And I think I don't know if you have like a Sasha question type guy to like you know really be the glue in the locker room and explain to the players that like this isn't guys the fans aren't showing up because of you. They're showing up because of the front office. So it's a really weird situation right now, and it's really tough. It's not fair that the administration, that Chris Klein and everybody at the top are pitting supporters versus the 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 team and the staff and everything. I think that's a really tough place to be in. And Chris Klein saying he'll leave if the team doesn't make the playoffs or whatever. It just puts an unnecessary pressure on the players. Yes, they're not doing well on the field, but I think the main the main reason of this boycott is is off the field. And you'll have LAFC fans say, "Oh, look, LAFC won the MLS Cup," and then galaxy is unraveling now it's not about that even if lafc didn't win last year this would still be happening it's just the fact that lafc built a winning product at the same time the galaxy and ag gave up on on developing the right way and and signing players for marketing reasons and re-signing herbalife as a sponsor most fans don't want herbalife on the jersey anymore it's been almost like you know it's been since 20 2007 since beckham signed people don't really People's values don't reflect the values of those at the top of the galaxy. And I know that's a case for clubs around the world, but the problems of the galaxy are much deeper than on field. I like Greg Vanny. I like what what he's able to to build with the constraints that he has. But the fact that he doesn't have a summer transfer window is because of his boss, Chris Klein. That's putting a handicap on, on this team that was was unnecessary. I don't know the guys on the field personally. But I think that I don't think the DPs have been good. Uh, I, I think Chicharito and Puj have had really good good runs. But signing a player like Douglas Costa makes absolutely no sense because he literally wasn't wanted in the second division of Brazil. And then you you decide you're going to build around that guy. And 
now he's just getting red cards just to you know presumably go to Coachella but I think uh that was dispelled but I wouldn't be surprised if he went to weekend too so I think LA Galaxy have won more MLS cups than anyone else in the league five yeah. you've won correct and then but things seem to have really tapered off around the 2013 season can you point to a is that the right point and can you point to a turning point in success with LA Galaxy when did things turn in a different direction Chris Klein became the president in 2013 and I don't want to put all the blame on one guy because that's not fair but what happened was we had Tim Liewicki who was an AEG guy that really believed in winning he knew his audience he knew Los Angeles likes winning and being entertained not just playing boring soccer and losing like those are two things that those were his values at a time when the galaxy desperately needed that because they had david beckham they kind of needed to win the, the mls desperately wanted the galaxy to win at that time because they want to see beckham lift the trophy at the end of the year so they had the right values at that time they had the right mentality like let's win they built a they built it from you know top to bottom well bruce arena did a great job obviously bruce arena is a huge reason why the galaxy was successful then but once Klein took over, the value seemed to shift away from winning, playing an entertaining product, uh, and more on sponsorships. We're going to secure sponsorships, and we're just going to fill the stadium with a guy like uh, Steven Gerrard. Look, he's great, right? Don't you want to see him? What about Gio Dos Santos? Like, we don't really care if Bruce Arena really wanted him or not. It doesn't matter. It's okay. He's going to sell us tickets. We're going to be able to, you know, link up with the Mexican national team socials and, you know, do all these things. And it's all very brand oriented and then they lost the plot in 2017 when they won the wooden spoon that's the last place team in in the entire mls and they kind of just cut costs they didn't build the right way uh zlatan was a band-aid around a really you know horrible team and the problems just continue to persist where it's very reactive chris klein releases this uh season ticket member email saying hey like you know we got greg vanny and he's building out the soccer operations why is Greg Vanny building out soccer operations eight years down the line under Chris Klein? Why was there no analytics department before Greg Vanny? Why was there no film room? Why was there no uh, built out scouting department? All the things that a modern soccer club, everything that a modern soccer club needs to be successful seemed to not happen at the Galaxy at a time when the rest of the league was actually adapting and evolving with modern football. So Chris Klein, I'm sure he's a nice guy. But it doesn't seem like the right kind of leader for a team that desperately, you know, needs to reclaim that kind of, you know, Lakers, Yankees swagger. You have the most championships in the league and we're not doesn't look like it. <laughs> it looks yeah. like from the outside looking in. I have people tell me all the time that aren't Galaxy supporters are like, dude, like, what is this? What's going on? This is sad. And it absolutely is sad. You hate to see it. So if 2013 Klein's introduction to the club is the turning point of one of the most winning teams in the league to not winning since then, where was the point of no return in terms of supporters knowing he needed to be gotten out? There's been a couple of points of no return, um, I believe, with the Klein era of the LA Galaxy. I think 2017 is the obvious one. You finish last place, you get the wooden spoon. Um, and you end up extending the president's contract um, at the end of the worst season in club history. So if you, you want to talk about values of the organization, uh, at that point, it seemed like winning was not one of them, uh, while in the past it was, you know, absolutely imperative. Um, that's definitely a low point in terms of, 
you know, Chris Klein just not really giving Kurt Anolfo, Kurt Anolfo a chance with, you know, just poor team around him front office wise, uh, poor roster construction, just kind of promoting a lot of G2 players. Didn't really do him any favors. This is at a point where Bruce Arena left and they had no interest in bringing him back, even though he um, was done with the USA for a second stint. Um, so that seemed to be a, a bridge burnt. Um, they kind of went into desperation mode by signing Zlatan. That's a great signing, but never really had a great team around him. And then it's just, you know, rinse and repeat. It's just reactive. Um, it's a reactive organization where they're not getting out in front of things. They're not uh, showing any foresight. And it just kind of repeats, right? And then in 2022, you can say that they really got things together on the field, which they did in the second half of the season with some really great summer signings. Ricky Pooch, Martin Caceres, uh, Brugman, you know, really... Had a great stretch run, took LAFC to the brink in the playoffs, almost made it further. Um, but then you kind of get back into square one because you have the uh, the opportunity to refresh things again, um, and you don't. It, it turned out that Chris Klein was uh, he was suspended for breaking uh, roster rules in terms of the Christian Pavone signing in 2019. So he was suspended by MLS, where he's he's on the board for he's on the rules committee for MLS, as far as I know, and he broke his own rules. Um, so there was a suspension with that, and then there was an extension amidst the suspension, which was not announced by the club. It was just it took Kevin Baxter of the LA Times to you know just pester the club to finally release a two sentence statement about Chris Klein as the uh, president, and they don't. Uh, remark on lengths of contract. So that was the second kind of big turning point where supporters felt like it was a slap in the face to them. The Galaxy knew it was going to be an unpopular decision re-signing an unpopular president, but to not even announce that, to say nothing about it, to have Chris Klein just kind of hide in the shadows as opposed to really face the music or at least give an interview about anything you know even mention the suspension mention the extension mention his vision mention what his role is uh going forward it doesn't really feel like a modern football club when you are um kind of not going along with i feel like is the bare minimum of you know transparency and communication with your fans um and to top all of that off in Chris Klein's letter to season ticket members, you know, recently he, he mentioned that, you know, oh, under Greg Vanny, we're building out soccer operations. We're doing this, we're doing that. Why are we doing that eight years down the line in, in a, in a Klein presidency? These are things that should have been done well, well before, you know, as just basic things to, like I said, be a modern soccer club, you know, where are your analytics? Where is your, um, scouting department are you building out you know your soccer operations in a positive way uh, are, are you reacting to other teams around mls in the world or are you going to be at the forefront of those things they didn't even have a film room until vanny got there i mean these are basic things and you know if we're if we're not doing those basic things until you know our savior greg vanny gets here that's that's just poor management from the top and I think anyone that follows soccer can understand that those are things that 
soccer clubs should have. Um, and uh, it's a shame that the Galaxy, the flagship club in, in Major League Soccer, can't get those basic things together. So to me, those are pretty incriminating to climb. Just the beginning of it, it's just the iceberg. There's so many other things that I think are, are low points of the last decade. You know, signing players for marketing reasons as opposed to on-field reasons. You know, pushing guys like Gerard, Giotto Santos, when Bruce Arena didn't see them fitting into his plans. Uh, that was the start of it, and it's just gotten kind of worse from there. So, um, yeah, there's been a couple points of no return for sure. It sounds like for the health and culture of the club and the culture around the team, that client needs to be removed. But is there, I mean, for the sake of just asking, is there any writing of the ship possible if you guys do make the playoffs and make a deep run? Is there redemption possible with him in charge? Or do you almost want to miss the playoffs so that he sticks to his word and gets out so that you can actually clean house and and write the ship without him? Yeah, I mean, a writing of the ship is possible. I mean, that's the big reason why they brought on Will Koontz uh, to the front office. They're trying to, you know, do things differently. But the main problem is he's just a, a, he's just another addition where you still have the same guys that have made all of these uh you know, terrible decisions in the last 10 years. They're still in the front office. So uh, is there a real change? We have yet to see it. We'll see what happens. Um, obviously, I think Klein put the players and the coaching staff in a really difficult position with his letter to season ticket members and saying, hey, if we make the playoffs, if we if we meet our goals this year, um, you know, I'm, I'm staying. But if we don't, I'm, I'm leaving. So it's putting pressure on the players, it's there's already been a, a, an just an unfortunate amount of pressure on the on the players and the coaches having to speak for the front office who's not talking to the press, not talking to the fans. Uh, Greg Vanny is having to answer questions that Chris Klein should be answering. Ricky Pooge is answering questions that you know Jovan Karofsky and and Klein should be answering. So that's kind of a ridiculous situation as as it is to begin with. Um, I I don't think you know Galaxy fans aren't rooting for the team to lose. This was never about the players. Um, people want the players to win. Ultimately, yeah, you want to have a winning product. The problem is with the systems that are currently in place, it makes it nearly impossible to have a winning product. And that's been the case for, you know, the last decade. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens. It's a really low bar to say that our goals are to advance to the playoffs where, what is it? Nine teams make it to the MLS playoffs now. Um, that's the goal, you know, win a game, you know, is winning the play playing game in the playoffs. Uh, the, the lofty goal that you want to set is the Los Angeles galaxy. The, the five-star Los Angeles galaxy has won the most MLS cups in, uh, in history. It seems kind of ridiculous to me that that's where we're at now, where you used to compete for championships year in and year out. And that's how it should be. I mean, that's literally what this club started as a team that's going to be competitive and try to be the top team now because of the leadership and the organizational setup there is a culture of being okay with mediocrity and i get that mls has evolved obviously there's a lot of more teams now there's serious teams that are you know doing the right things with the you know with their right uh setups with the right scouting the right analytics the right coaching the right marketing those are things that are happening league-wide. So you can't really afford to just kind of sit 
uh, rest on your laurels and say, we are the galaxy. Um, that doesn't matter as much anymore. I mean, you have to continuously evolve, no matter who you are. If you're Real Madrid, you know, you have to always push the boundaries and try to be be better than you were the last year. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a difficult situation for the players. I think playoffs should be, you know, within reach. I don't see how a team with Ricky Pooch and Chicharito and all these guys are going to miss the playoffs. It's not a good start to the year on the field, obviously. I haven't won a game yet <clears throat> as of mid-April. So uh, we'll see. Uh, I obviously want to see there be, you know, I want to see change in the front office, but I don't want to, um, you know, root against the team, obviously. So once again, Klein looks like he's putting himself above the health of the club. Uh, you'd rather have some kind of division, uh, this civil war between supporters and, and the staff and the team, as opposed to just own up for your poor decisions and move on. If you really love the Galaxy like, you know, he says he does, uh, I think by now it's obvious that change is needed, but you know, it's a business and you know, he's in charge of this business. And I think a lot of people think it could be run a lot better. Does the introduction of LAFC in any way force somebody's hand here? I mean, having this new club in the Los Angeles ecosystem that's performing well and winning trophies, does that force anyone's hand? Does it pour salt in the wound? Yeah, this has nothing to do with LAFC. Um, I know LAFC fans are super quick to, you know, to uh, make this seem like, you know, LAFC wins an MLS Cup and, uh, you know, Carson unravels. Um, it's uh, it's interesting timing for sure. Uh, but these are two things that are going on simultaneously. LAFC has built a winning product. Um, they've been successful in the league. Uh, at the same time that AEG and the Galaxy have kind of put their foot off the gas pedal and have not tried to evolve or, you know, transcend where they're at. So, um, yeah, whether LAFC would have won MLS Cup last year or not, this still would be happening. You know, Chris Klein would still be, uh, you know, his contract would have been extended regardless uh, he would have been suspended regardless. They would have said nothing about it regardless. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it puts more pressure on the Galaxy that you have your, you know, quote-unquote noisy neighbor is a phrase that I can't stand, but I guess that's where we're going with this. Uh, the neighbors are continuously, uh, you know, being noisy, so we gotta we got to react. And that's all the Galaxy's been doing uh, is in recent years is reacting, reacting, reacting. So, um LAFC is doing a good job in terms of like kind of getting in getting in front of things, developing, uh, trying to be something bigger uh, than Chivas USA was, and uh, yeah, it's 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 good for the health of the league, I think, to have a strong rivalry in LA. I mean, El Tráfico is an incredibly exciting you know series. Every game has been insane with insane goals and just excitement on and off the pitch in the stands. Um, it's been a real joy, you know, to, to follow um, from that first game. Uh, you know, LAFC came out in front, the comeback, Zlatan. Uh, it hasn't really, you know, slowed down. So I think that's been a real positive. Um, but it's not a positive if one team is flailing and dying and the other, and the other is uh, on the rise. Um, 
And I think a lot of that is on the organization and the management uh, because the Galaxy is still more successful. I think worldwide, globally, I think the brand of the Galaxy is still, um, you know, what people think of when they think of L.A. soccer. Um, that's changing a little bit because of the success of, of, of the other team. But, uh, yeah, this is something that is beyond El Trafico. It's beyond the the LAFC kind of thing they have going on. This is about the health of the galaxy. This is about cleaning house. This is about, uh, you know, creating a future that uh, that supporters, fans, academy players, um, players in the system, um, everyone in the club – uh, this is about creating something that they can be proud of. Uh, everybody, all together. Um, no division, no us versus them. No, oh, we got to move past the noise. You know, this is about creating something for the future. This is about, yeah, getting getting bigger, getting better, uh, doing things differently to evolve with the uh, with the rest of the uh, footballing world um, and the MLS world uh, all together. So. Um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, that rivalry is exciting. El Trafico is so much fun to watch. As a Philadelphia Union fan and writer, I am a little annoyed that they won the title last year, but but they did deserve it, and they're a great team. They're fun to watch. But when you – so Chris Klein talks a lot about the brand of the Galaxy, um, and like you said, he said, we are the Galaxy kind of thing. We don't need to evolve. What is the brand of the Galaxy? I mean, I haven't heard Chris Klein talk about the brand of the Galaxy or anything related to the Galaxy anytime uh, recently. Um, he was quoted in ESPN, I think, a uh, Jeff Carlisle interview where, you know, he, he said his feelings were hurt um, without actually mentioning the issue uh, at hand or why people feel the way they do. So, um, yeah, he, he's really uh, taken a step out of the limelight. Haven't heard from him. Haven't heard from Jovan Karofsky. They're not really dealing with the media uh, anymore. Um, so yeah, Greg Vanny mentioned the brand of the galaxy. He said that, uh, that one of these horrible losses we've experienced this year, I think it was a Houston three, three nil loss. Uh, he mentioned that that was, uh, damaging to the brand of the galaxy. Um, there's been a lot that's been damaging to the brand of the galaxy. It's been decimated in recent years. Um, yeah. What is the brand of the galaxy? I don't think anyone really knows, uh, at this point. Um, you know, Greg Vanny, in a recent meeting with supporters groups, he uh, presented this supposedly really impressive flowchart of the organization, organizational setup and their goals and mission and all that. I haven't seen it, but apparently it showed that, you know, Klein's still at the top and then it's Vanny and then it's Koontz and Karofsky and all that. Um, but as far as a brand and a vision, yeah, it used to be, you know, you win, you win championships, uh, you sign big players, right? That was kind of the... Uh, the whole MO of the galaxy. And uh, you could argue that they haven't really done either of those things. Yes, they're signing big players. Ricky Pooch and Chicharito are massive players. But for every one of those guys, you have a Douglas Costa who seems like he doesn't want to be here and gets red cards to just kind of get out of, of, of playing games and uh, possibly go uh, attend Coachella or, or something else. I'm not saying he did that, but I, I, I don't think uh, I wouldn't put it past him. Let's just say that. Um, so yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not great in terms of what the brand is. I mean, Herbalife is, is, uh, you know, hugely unpopular as a sponsor of the galaxy. Um, I know you don't really, as fans have control of those kinds of things, but 
that's the that's what's emblazoned on your jersey, and it's been that way for what fifteen years now um, since Beckham arrived. Not many sponsors in world uh, soccer are on the jersey that long, and people don't like it. People fans are not thrilled with Herbalife as a sponsor and and what they stand for. And you know, I, I go around in a, in a Galaxy jersey, and people actually think I work for Herbalife. So I try to actually wear non Herbalife Galaxy uh, <laughs> apparel when when possible. Um, is that the brand of the galaxy? Is it the herbalifeification of 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 the club, um, where it feels like a pyramid scheme, where it feels like, you know, you just are hush hush about uh, certain things and you keep people uh, uninformed in the shadows. You don't really tell the truth about things. I don't know. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. And I think for someone who follows the the club and has followed it for as long as I have, if I can't tell you what the brand of the galaxy is then that's a problem with the branding and I think the marketing and all that. They have to figure that out because it used to be we are the galaxy. We have five championships, but haven't done that in a long time, you know. It's been it's been the Klein era. It's taken the entire Klein era of ten years um to kind of flush all that down. And now here we are starting from scratch, if you will, having to rebuild again. But at a certain point you have to kind of get tired of the same people rebuilding things because then it just becomes more of a mess. So um, I would hope the galaxy evolves. I would hope that, uh, you know, they figure out a a strong identity of, of what they want to be and a team that's competing for championships every single year and an organization that, you know, treats its supporters um, like a community and, and not, uh, not just, not just like customers I get that it's a business. Of course, it's a business. AEG has a, a role to fulfill. Um, but do you want to be seen as a, you know, a light for the community and something that people can feel joy at and be a part of something bigger than themselves, and you know, really come together for, you know, a shared mission and shared values and a shared purpose? Or are you going to treat them, um, you know, as if they don't really matter and it, it's uh, it's not important and you're just another soulless corporation? In America, I mean, they have the choice to do that. They have the choice to be one of those two things, and uh, we'll see which of those two things is, is, is brings more success to them. Um, but I think anyone on the outside looking in will say that this Galaxy team does not feel successful. It's not something that anybody really wants to emulate, and let's change it. I think it's time for uh, for there to be some kind of uh, some movement to change it, so it's good that we're seeing that. Yeah, it's concerning to hear someone like you say you don't you're not sure what the identity is from the team. Seems a little bit like they're running on the fumes of history and you know, hopefully for you guys, but also for MLS, given the prestige of LA Galaxy, hopefully you guys do figure it out. Um, my last question for you is do you think they will figure it out in the near term? Are you guys gonna beat Austin this weekend? Do you think you're gonna turn a corner? Yeah, I mean I don't know if they're gonna figure it out. Um you would think that a team with Chicharito and Ricky Pooch, um, you know, should make the playoffs in MLS, but we've seen it before. Um, we'll see how we'll see how the season transpires. I mean, Jalen Neal, uh, for me, has been the MVP of the LA Galaxy this year so far. Uh, you won't find a 19-year-old that is as cool and uh, calm, composed, starting at center back and uh, really influencing games. So he's been real solid. The spine of the team is pretty solid. The problems are out wide. Um, 
you know, they've really handcuffed themselves by not being able to add players in the summer. Um, last year, that was really the catalyst for change when they signed Pooch and Caceres and Brugman. That won't happen this year because of the transfer ban. So kind of what they have now is what they're going to have, which is worrying because there's so many games this year with Lee's Cup, Open Cup, all these things. Um, so yeah, you would think that the Galaxy should be able to finish in the top nine places in the Western Conference. Um, but then what, you know, you sneak into the playoffs as a, as a seven or eight seed, you know, you win the first, uh, the, the playoff game, the play in or, or whatever it is now. And, you know, then you lose to LAFC or Seattle in the, in the next round. Are you going to call that a successful season? It means client can stay. Everybody can go home happy. It's not enough for supporters. It's not enough for me. I don't think like if you're a galaxy fan, you should, encourage and demand greatness you should try to win the whole thing every year so if that doesn't happen yeah definitely should be Klein out um should be Klein out regardless I think at this point the the data is clear but uh we'll see there is a chance that Galaxy does not make the playoffs because they've dug themselves in such a hole so far this year um but it's going to be interesting. It's definitely a, an interesting thing. It's like this great uh, American soccer cosmic drama that's uh, unfolding at the LA Galaxy. And uh, I think it's going to be a fascinating story. There are many books to be written about this uh, era in the future. And um, whether they turn a corner or not, it's going to be a, a fascinating watch and uh, an incredibly interesting follow. To wrap up, can you maybe just summarize why all of this matters for Major League Soccer or for anyone who is interested in or watching soccer in the United States? At the end of the day, um, if you are a fan of MLS, if you are a supporter of American soccer, this is an issue that uh, that really is bigger than the game. Um, you know, to have the flagship club of, of MLS uh, go through this kind of crisis at this time, uh, really an unprecedented time, with the World Cup three years away, there's going to be a huge spotlight on on soccer in this country. Um, and uh, yeah, no matter what club you support in the American soccer pyramid, um, I think to be able to get behind supporters on this one and to really affect change uh, is, I think, is a really powerful story. And it's something that uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how, how it unfolds because you know, the supporters, I think, are on the right side of history here on this one in terms of, you know, demanding accountability and change. And uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think it's for the health of the, the entire league as a whole to have the Galaxy be run in a, in a, in a, in a positive way. Um, even if the Galaxy is not winning championships every year, uh, for fans to have something they're proud of and for the league to have a club that is run well that's going to better the whole game in Los Angeles uh, and beyond. So uh, it's an incredibly important issue that uh, we're, we're seeing unfold in real time. And uh, yeah, it affects the health of the league as a whole. So I hope that uh, people can, can get behind this and uh, support in whatever way they, uh, they deem fit. Yeah, we'll definitely look to check in with you as the story progresses. Hopefully it progresses in a positive direction. But yeah, you, you just said it exactly. I think that a lot of soccer generally and major league soccer is tied to clubs like LA Galaxy. So it's good for the sport, for the for the club to be doing well. Alex, where can people stay in contact with you, follow you on Twitter, Substack? Well, thanks so much for having me on, Meg. I really appreciate uh, your coverage of 
this issue and all the other things that you write about. It's it's really incredible work. So uh, appreciate you. Thanks. You can find me uh, at Joie Galactique uh, on Twitter and uh, joiegalactique.substack.com. Um, it's a publication podcast uh, type thing where uh, we explore the intersections between soccer, art, and the creativity behind support of the LA Galaxy US Soccer and beyond. So uh, come and check out uh, some of the fan voices that we are amplifying in the sport. Um, and that's Joie Galactique, J-O-I-E-G-A-L-A-C-T-I-Q-U-E. I know it's kind of long to spell out, but that's where I'm at. So uh, check it out. It's a lot of fun. We'll see ya. And I will add the link to all of that in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Alex.